Welcome to the Gardens Podcast. This message titled, The Hope That Keeps Us Alive, was given by Bill Doctrum and is the first in our series, Waiting in Expectation. Important things uh, take time. There's a reason babies take nine months to get here. There's a reason that we don't get to move Christmas. All of our longing, all of our hoping, all of our desiring doesn't move it one second closer to arrival. We need to be prepared to receive. My son was among those millions of people who purchased a ticket for the latest Harry Potter release. Actually, he didn't purchase it, I did. <clears throat> the release time for his showing was 12.03 a.m. Anybody else do, do the, Harry? I, I, and you're willing to admit it. Thank you so much for joining us. So he had a ticket for the 12.03 showing. Uh, his was the, the second showing. The, at the Irvine Spectrum, they began the release at 12.01 then 12.02, so he had already, by the time he purchased his ticket, uh, missed the first two showings. 12.03, 12.04, all the way till 12.33. All 33 theaters at the Irvine Spectrum were showing part one of this, 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 this series, the, the single largest grossing release in the world right now, 112,000 billion millions dollars. Uh, 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 okay, so it's 12.03. The boy has school tomorrow morning, which he doesn't care about nearly as much as dad. Um, and so I thought, well, okay, 12.03, he'll, he'll, you know, get up and meet with his friends probably at, you know, 10 or 11. No, 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 no. How many know what time he showed up for the 12.03 showing? 12.03 a.m. showing. That's like three minutes after midnight showing. What time did he show up for that showing? No, not 8 o'clock. He was there with his friends at 6 o'clock. And by the time he showed up, he was halfway in his line, and there were 33, count them, 33 other lines waiting because we can't possibly wait until like 8 o'clock the next night. We must see it three minutes after it is released worldwide because if we don't, we will miss something critical. He has now seen it how many times? Three times since then. What? 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 How can I get in on that action? That's what I want to know. How can I... How can, I, how can I do that? In our instant society, where we can't even wait for oatmeal, <laughs> waiting is just not the American way. How many of you have a long list of things that if you didn't have to wait for them, you would have them now? Yeah, we probably, I do. We, we all do. Waiting is not built in 
to the fabric of who we are. Anticipation, uh, not so much. Sometimes we get, we wind ourselves up so tight in the waiting that when the thing comes, we can't even enjoy it because the expectation has so blown our hearts that we're not ready for whatever it is that comes. Which tells me that we're not waiting with expectation uh, or expectancy, we're waiting with expectations. That is, we take and we put everything on that moment, um, whether, it's, whether it's a wedding or whether it's the birth of a child or whether it's the release of a movie or whether it's fill in the blanks, right? And so we are not very good at waiting. We have to occupy ourselves with things to disguise the fact that we're really waiting and get distracted from the waiting because it's a reminder that we're not in control, that we're dependent on somebody else to determine when we get what it is that we're waiting for. Because we're not very good at waiting, I don't think we're very good at receiving either. We don't like standing there, empty hands. It reminds us that the things that are most important to us, we can't just grab. We have to receive. We have to receive. And we would rather grab. And even when we're forced to wait, we aren't really all that good at it. Um, we stew. We fret over what we, we hope will be. And then when it arrives, we kind of blow right past it. Because the momentum of the expectation has built so much that we can hardly wait to get through the day. I'm um, Canadian. You know what my, 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 my wife's and my sister's favorite day of the year is? Boxing Day. Anybody know what Boxing Day is? It's December the 26th, where there are absolutely no expectations of anything but leftovers. There's no pressure. There's no, all of the gifts have been opened. Everything is in a big pile somewhere. All of the expectations of the day are laid aside, and we just kind of relax and be present. Now, what happens, some of you did Black Friday. And did you notice this year, Black Friday really started on Thursday. Some of the stores were open at 10 o'clock at night. So you could just blow right past Thanksgiving so you could get more stuff to be thankful for or not. Does that happen? Now, some people have a strategy on this. I talked to a friend who, who, who has a strategy on this. She kind of figures out what everybody on her list needs or wants for Christmas. And in, within five or six hours, starting at 2 o'clock in the morning, she does outlets, she does openings, she does, she does. And by, by, by noon on Friday, she's done for the season. That takes some careful planning, doesn't it? That takes some strategy there. 
and, 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 and not a little caffeine, I'm thinking. Uh, but, but anyway, when we come to this, what I'm hopeful will happen for us here at the Garden is that we'll train our hearts in slowing down enough so that when incarnation comes, we don't blow right past it so that we can get on with the rest of our lives. It's a forced slowing. It's a reinstatement of the rhythms that we're built with. It's a way of emptying ourselves of expectations so that we're only left with expectancy. It's a way of soul training. Advent, waiting, is a spiritual discipline. So that when He comes, the dear Christ may enter in. I don't know if you've noticed this, but babies tend not to move very quickly, especially newborns. And that if you are moving quickly, you may miss the wonder of a God who comes arms open wide, not to receive, but to be received. God did not come to us and stand before us with His arms open wide. He came to us lying, the text says, swaddling, lying swaddled in a manger, wrapped up with the body-controlling cloth that the first century believed would prohibit damage to limbs. Completely and utterly dependent on someone who would slow down enough to pick him up. So that's what we want to do. Is that all right? In the middle of everything that's going on, we want to take some time and prepare. In 1989, an earthquake uh, stuck, struck uh, the country of Armenia, and in four minutes, 30,000 people lost their lives. Um, what made it so devastating is that that earthquake occurred just as school had begun. And so in one particular village, the school collapsed on the children who had just gathered for the morning. Rescuers, of course, all over the world rushed to the scene. Uh, and we have seen these scenes more often than we want to. But day after day, first bulldozers moving the bigger pieces, and then finally shovels, and then finally bare hands as the rescuers tried to get as quickly as possible through the piles of debris. Um, one story captured my heart in this. As a father um, rushed to the scene of the school where his son had only hours before sat waiting for the day to begin. And uh, he 
started to dig with the rescuers. And as day turned into night, turned into day, turned into night, turned into day, the rescue efforts turned into recovery efforts. Except for this one dad who kept day after day, night after night, digging at the rubble, often with his bare hands as pieces shifted to a place where he thought his son might be because he knew the layout of the school. And finally, days after, everybody else had given up hope and were encouraging him to relax. It wasn't going to be good when they found him. The children surely would be gone dead by now. He begins to peel back finally the layer and hears something underneath and begins frantically calling his son's name. Armand! Armand! And up from the rubble comes a tiny voice. Daddy! I'm here! And he then carefully but frantically peels back the last layer until there, lying underneath in a space just large enough for him, he peels back and sees the face of his son who says to him, Daddy, I knew you would come. And with that hope, he encouraged 14 of his classmates who were with him in that small space, linked only by voice, and all 14 children were rescued. Daddy, I knew you would come. Hope keeps us alive through despair. Hope keeps us alive through despair. Let me tell you another story of another son who had, as a result of her disobedience, his disobedience as a nation had been crushed, had been bruised, had been brutalized, had been beaten, had been sent into exile. The nation of Israel, God's Son, that beautiful promise that God had set before the world as the promise of His presence had disobeyed and had finally turned their backs so completely, so unutterably against God that He had, it seems, no choice but to finally in one, I would say, desperate attempt to redeem and restore, allowed them to be captured by a brutal enemy that had hauled them thousands of miles away from their homeland and resettled them where they remained for 70 years. One of the prophets, one of the Old Testament speakers who defines reality for those people going through it is a man named Jeremiah. He's called the weeping prophet. 
as he stands before his people, God's people, and he tells them with tears in his eyes what is to come. And they ignore him. They shame him. At one point, they imprison him. They, they leave him in a pit for dead. But God allows his voice to continue to be heard. And they carry with them into their exile one of his poems. It's a long poem of lament. A lament is a, is a song of sorrow. It is inevitably in a minor key. It is sung with tears in the eyes, with a, with a, a, a break in the voice, with a heart that's broken. You can't sing lament for entertainment. You only sing lament as you stand at an open grave. You only sing lament as you hold in your arms a loved one who has gone. You can't sing lament unless you've experienced catastrophe, despair. And this song of lament goes on for two and a half chapters until finally in the third chapter, the despair has peeled back layer after layer after layer of the arrogance, of the pride. And we finally get to the place where we're just face down on the dirt, longing to die. And then Jeremiah turns a corner with this line. It's Lamentation, chapter 3, verse 19. Remember my affliction and my wandering. Remember the gall and the bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope. That the Lord's loving kindness never ceases. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. I have therefore hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. It is good then to wait silently for the salvation of the Lord. You recognize perhaps in that lament one of the probably second most favorite hymns in the history of hymnody. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, your hand has provided. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And we sing it, not realizing that it was born in a pit of despair. That it was the knot at the end of the rope that the prophet Jeremiah tied and then dug his fingernails into on behalf of the nation and said, at the end of the day, hope cannot be in outcomes. Hope cannot be in expectations. Hope cannot be in anything we have anything to do with. Hope 
is in the Lord. Hope is in the character of God. Hope is not about our circumstances. It's not about what will come. Hope at the end of the day is in who God is, not in who we are. And that hymn that we still sing 3,000 years later gets some of us through the darkest and the most difficult days of despair. Because, you see, Advent says to us, slow down so that hope has a chance to catch up with you. This is the difference. Hope is expectancy, not expectation. Hope sits with open arms. Hope requires waiting. Because if we didn't have to wait, hope would be unnecessary. Hope is shaping our soul with a positive look. Hope keeps us focused on what is important. How many of you have noticed in this season it's really easy to get distracted into things that aren't important? Yeah? And hope says, no, 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 no. We're not going to settle for all of these distractions. We're not going to be hauled off into the side alleys and the backyards of of distraction. We're going to keep centered on what it is we are waiting for. We're not going to get lost in this dark. But hope also prepares us for what is coming, for what has been promised. It creates as well then this capacity to receive hope in the waiting enlarges our heart so that the dear Christ may enter in. Yeah? Um, Elav Ezel, as well as others writing on the Holocaust, have said that the difference between survivors and those who did not was the four-letter word, hope. It redefined the horror. It reshaped the despair. It rekindled a tiny little flame in the dark. Hope pushes back against the darkness. I recognize that we have just come through the Thanksgiving season. And we are now laser-eyed on Christmas. Did you know that, and I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but we need to deal with the fact that a lot of what we have brought into this season is distraction. Um, During these three months, November, December, January, partway into February, almost twice as many people succumb to illness as at the rest of the year combined. Some of you are living in this area because you are struggling with a seasonal affective disorder. Clouds. You need sun to thrive. 
Some of you have no psychological condition that can be diagnosed that way. But this is a season of, of stress for you. Maybe because it's, it's a reminder of all of the families that you do not have. Of all of the wonder that you expected when you married, when you had kids, perhaps when you were born in to a system that cannot support what you long for. That have no capacity. And Thanksgiving is just one three-ring circus of performance. Now others of you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's wonderful. But I, 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 wanna, I wanna remind us that we find ways to be distracted, don't we? And Advent is a way of saying, let's pay attention to what's most important. Let's slow down enough so that our faithfulness can become full. It is the difference between waiting, which is forced and required, and waiting that is expectant. Waiting that is waiting around and waiting with hope. Hope bids us to be faithful, not to quit, to tie that knot at the end of the rope. Hope is a way of humility. It's a way of saying, what I need most, I cannot grab at. And what I grab at, I discover I don't need. Hope with certainty is based on the one who promised. So like Israel of old, we wait, hoping for the salvation of the Lord. Hoping for the victory of God. Some of you have an especially tuned heart to the brokenness of the world that we live in. And the statistics, the, the issues that were displayed for us on the screen, um, boy, doesn't that just break your heart? And aren't you glad that it didn't last too long? And the lights came on. What would it be like to live with those, not as statistics, but as your reality? like the 3,900 people who were homeless as a result of the statistics, at least, in 2009. And we, in this room, are ambassadors to this city of hope. We're, we are the light, remember, that shines in this darkness. We are, we are the presence of the knot at the end of the rope into which we hope somebody, some homeless man or woman, some victim of AIDS, some child who has nowhere to lay his head can dig their fingernails and grab a hold of us because we represent to them hope. We represent to them light in the darkness. We represent to them a faithful God who in the middle of the despair still shines and comes not in an invading force but as a homeless child to refugee parents of uncertain birth origin 
He becomes one of us. We don't hope in outcomes. Otherwise, we're going to be disappointed in Christmas. We hope in a person. Our hope is rooted in his character. We're not ignorant of the reality. In fact, if we, we were, we wouldn't be hopeful. We wouldn't need hope. Hope looks clear-eyed at the despair and says, nevertheless. It looks clear-eyed in the middle of the mess and says, the Lord's loving kindness never ceases. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is the one in whom I have hope. So as we conclude today, I'm going to ask you, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting or waiting around? Is it in an outcome? Can I redirect your waiting to a person? Faith, standing in that reality. Maybe you don't know God yet well enough to know that His loving kindnesses are new every morning. Maybe you don't know Him that well yet. And that's not, not shameful. That's just the reality of your, your walk, your experience. You learn that in the dark. You don't learn that when all things are going well. Some of you are learning that right now, aren't you? You're, you're, you, you, you require the strength of the Lord to get through every day. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're just in a situation where if God doesn't help you, you cannot see nightfall and the blessed release of sleep. You can't see it. Maybe it's because things are going sideways in your marriage, or maybe it's because you're dreading payday because you know that there's a real possibility of a pink slip. Maybe it's because uh, you've got kids or parents who are going sideways. Maybe some things that I can't even, I can't even imagine. Maybe your distractions have gotten so much out of control that they are no longer a distraction, but they are the center of your being. You have become your addiction. And Advent says, take a deep breath and hope in the Lord. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep hanging on. Respond with faithfulness. With not quitting to God's faithfulness because He will never quit on you. Let's pray. Lord, I know um, that this sermon this morning is a little different than what we usually do here. Um, in terms of teaching and so on. But I also know, Lord, that you're saying something to your people here. Just as we sit 
in this moment, O God, and now seek to respond. I pray, O God, that you would open our hearts and that we would open our minds to you. That you, O Lord, would prepare us and that we, O God, would prepare your room. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear other messages from The Garden, or if you would like to find out more about The Garden Church, check out our website at thegardenlb.org. I come to wait.